We become a race of peeping Toms. Something happened. Something was happening. I had no idea. Where is her treacherous husband now? But in a place where she can visit, if she wished, mine. It's with the ancestors. I'm yeah, I'm drinking, Luann. How can you hold cake and not eat it? Oh, shit, you guys got coke here. Oh, my God, of course. I mean, I know to you I'm just your old fat Aunt Maddie Faye. I'm more than that, sweetheart. These are godless times, Mrs. Snell. You're all fucking boring. With your piddling grievances over nothing, you're all fucking boring. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Best Supporting Podcast, a podcast dedicated to celebrating and dissecting the performances of our favorite Best Supporting Actresses. My name is Nick Kachanov, and may I have a glass of water, please? And my name is Colin Drucker, and where's Bill? <laughs> yes! The pause. The pause before where's Bill. Yeah, I love that. I just love that. I just Because it's like... There's sort of this buildup of like, oh my God, she's going to ask about Bill. And it was just like, so where's Bill? I just, ah. A pregnant pause, if you will. If you will. Absolutely. (laughs) Pee on the stick just to be sure. Oh my goodness. Here we are. Same world as last week. Same characters. But I mean, we finally meet Bill. I mean, I guess we get more Bill in this episode. Episode. This movie. So I'm excited to to continue this narrative here. Yeah, because indeed Tarantino November is continuing yes. this week and so too is our coverage of Kill Bill. Last week we covered volume 1, this week volume 2 because it is also Novumavar, Novumavar. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there has to be something, some sort of Uma pun that we're just not thinking of. Yeah. Like, uh, I, like autumn. 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 Yeah, autumn. Like, autumn. Autumn. <laughs> autumn. <Autumna. laughs> Sounds like umlauts, just umlauts after one after yeah. another. But I, I'm excited. I think there's so much. I, I want to ask off the bat, but maybe it's a question towards the end of like, which do you prefer, volume one or volume two? So I think maybe I'll I'll put a pin in that for now, too, because I think they are, although it's the same cast of characters for the most part, a few different like some different energies in certain parts, but also like just as much action as well, too. So I'm excited to talk about a few more women that we didn't really get to focus on. Of course, Daryl Hannah. And I guess that might be it then. Right. Yeah, Besides I mean, Uma. Well, that's the thing is, you know, the first movie is kind of a a, a full house, and the second movie yes. is, you know, kind of a chamber piece. And so, yeah, we yeah. where we kind of got like you know snips and snails of Bill and Al Driver in the first movie, they're very much more the focus. And Bud, you know, in the second movie, sure. But you know, there's no crazy eighty eights. There's no five, six, seven, eights for that matter. There's, you <laughs> yes. know, uh, we, we don't, we get no more Vernita than we got in the first movie. And so, yeah, it's, a, and I guess when I'd read this on the trivia, so I don't want to take credit for this, but it's also like a shift in genres where like the first movie is supposed to be like a Kung Fu movie and the second movie is supposed to be more like a Western. I totally get that vibe, especially with the music and really how a lot of like the final showdown happens too. There's so much of it that hints at that genre. And I guess I kind of forgot that going into it. I will say too, another woman in this movie is Karen. We got to talk about Karen at the end. That was one of my favorite scenes and I forgot about it. You know, listen, I don't know if you guys know this, but the Westons are coming and one of my favorite categories is favorite 
featured ensemble. And I don't yes. know. I kind of feel like Karen might be like a featured ensemble who shows up at the Westons. Oh, yeah. I mean, she kicked some ass. She made the right decision and she made me laugh with her last line, too. But we'll, we'll talk about it shortly. But uh, so, yeah, a few less women, just as much action. And, um, you know, Queen David Carradine, too. I yeah. Mean, oh, OK. Yeah. We're, now we're talking. Well, we're talking about the West. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I know. Right. Wow. Yes. All right. Uh, hey, listen, it's, you know, get him in now because the Westons yeah. are coming. The Westons are coming. Oh, my goodness. It's like winter is coming. It is. It is. <laughs> it's lit, like, uh, you know, basically. It is and it is. It is yes. and it is. Um, well, you know, the the narrative of Kill Bill, you know, kind of picks up where we left off. You know, it, it, I would say that if you haven't listened to our volume one episode, Get over there and listen to that. Yeah. What do you th this? None of this conversation is going to make any sense. You don't know who Uma is. We haven't. Yeah. You don't know what I'm talking about. Um, maybe you do. I don't know. Um, but <laughs> indeed, uh, Beatrix is continuing her uh, her crusade for vengeance in the second movie, and more importantly, is getting closer and closer to the bullseye of her target. The former love of her life and father of her as we've now discovered still alive daughter bill yeah her lost daughter her lost daughter beatrix kiddo is my lost daughter yeah um you know yeah last episode we had we were kind of wowed by the fact that uma does doesn't even have an oscar nomination to her name for this performance and yeah. For Kill Bill Volume Two, she did get a Golden Globe nomination. Okay, good. Uh, so at least there's that. But I thought maybe you know before we kind of talk about some of the uh, specifics of Kill Bill Volume Two, we could talk about the um, the Oscars at the time of each of these movies and who was in the running when Uma was not. I love this. Okay, go on. Well, so okay, so I I believe so. Kill Bill Volume One came out in two thousand three. So we 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 would want to look at the two thousand four Oscars to talk about Got Kill it. Bill Volume One. And so okay, well look at oh look at these. Okay, well no 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 no. Okay, all right. <laughs> what a reaction! I oh can't my wait. God! What year was this? I can't I can't place two thousand four. Okay, so well let me let me you know let me warm us up because I think there's a lot to say about the best actress category this year. This was the okay. year you'll appreciate this because you recently did a a full watch of the Lord of the Rings. This was the year Lord of the Rings Return of the King won Best Picture. Ah, uh, gotcha. Yes, love it. Um, and it was up against movies like Lost in Translation, uh, Master and Commander, a movie full of men that I'll never watch. Oh um, yeah, gross. Yeah, Mystic River, which I think has some interesting BSAs. I think that might be fun to talk about sometime. Uh, kind of Marcia brings Gay. Marcia oh, Gay. Oh no. Yep. No. Nope. Marcia Gay. Yes. Marcia Gay yes. and Laura Linney has a cool little role in that. Um, oh. And it's kind of the world of Gone Baby Gone, so we get a little bit of that. Yes. You know, uh, fuck Bay. You know. Yep. Um, yep. Yep. And then, uh, of course, Seabiscuit, of course, was nominated for Best Picture. Oh, Lord. Yeah. The early two, you know, we really were reeling from 9-11 for a long time. And I think that we needed Seabiscuit as a Best Picture nominee in the <laughs> early 2000s. Yeah. Yep. Um, well, Sean Penn won Best Actor for Mystic River. Um, Tim Robbins won Best Supporting Actor. So you got yeah. for Mystic River. So you got a little, you know, 
uh, actor, best actor, you know, best supporting actor, best actor for Mystic River, best supporting actress. Okay, well, let's build up to this. The aforementioned Marcia Gay was nominated for Mystic River. So another reason we should talk about that. Um, oh, Patricia Clarkson for Pieces of April. Whoa, I don't even know what that movie is. Oh, boy, I can't wait for you to know the line. We're going to need a dozen glazed. Oh, it's a great movie. Oh, and it's a Thanksgiving <laughs> movie. Oh, there's so much. Maybe we'll just, we'll talk about it. We'll, we'll talk figure about it out. It, it yeah. could be a holiday. I mean, December is the holidays. Yeah, we got, we'll talk about it. Yeah, it's, it could work for Christmas as well, certainly. Okay, so pieces yeah. of April. Um, oh, this is a great one. Shora Agdashlu for House of Sand and Fog. Okay. Uh, she had a great supporting role in season two of The Flight Attendant. She's great. I think she should have won the Oscar this year. Um, other nominees include Holly Hunter for 13, which I've never seen. Mm-hmm. But Neither have I, yeah. all of them were beaten out by Renee Zellweger for Cold Mountain. Oh, God. Yeah. I, I hate that performance. I think I recently saw a clip of it. And I was just like, good Lord. Yeah. I've I never seen it. it. I hate it. I refuse. Ugh. Yeah. I don't think you ever need to. Speaking of like a cold movie of just, we're talking mm. about the savages last week or the week before, just like Nicole Kidman does not look good in a period piece like that. It just doesn't fit. And it kind of stinks that Renee Zellweger won for two roles that weren't really guess her best work I hate saying that because there are parts of Judy that are like really great but it was weird you know what I mean by both of those wins it's not what she should have won for yeah I mean I what I've heard about Cold Mountain is like oh but the rest of the cast is so great and you know there's Eileen Atkins you know who's the flower lady from the hours and Kathy Baker who I love and Philip Seymour Hoffman Queen Philip and Love him. Uh, Giovanni Ribisi and Donald Sutherland and Cillian or Killian Murphy. I've, I realized we learned recently how to pronounce that, but I don't remember. Um, Melora Walters, <laughs> who plays the mom in Pen15. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I see there's quite a good cast, but uh, alas, poor Yorick. I just don't think I'm ever going to see that movie. So anyway... Yeah. That is all not what we're here. We're actually here to talk about the best actress category from 2000 uh, at the 2004 Oscars. And if you thought best supporting actress had some shocks, I'll say the winner is not a shock. But so I'm going to start with that. This was the year Charlize Theron won for Monster. Okay, totally yeah. fair. That's not where I take umbrage. Fellow nominees like Naomi Watts for 21 Grams. I think that's a fair nomination. Um, Samantha Morton for In America. Okay, yeah, that was a good movie. Uh, Keisha Castle-Hughes for Whale Rider. Yeah, sure. But to tell, are you going to sit here right now and you're going to tell me that Uma Thurman did not get nominated for Kill Bill Volume 1, but Diane Keaton did for Something's Gotta Give? Oh, man. I don't know. Diane. What? It slapped me in the face. Yeah. That's interesting. Is that the last slot? I can't remember how many you listed yeah, off. Is that, that was, yep. All, the, okay. Yeah. So there you go. So that's who blocked out Uma for Kill Bill Volume 1. Uh, okay. 
Kill Bill Volume 2, now this was the following year, so this would be the 2005 Oscars for 2004. Um, this was this was the million dollar baby year. Oh, got it. So uh, I, that kind of gives away who won Best Actress, Hillary Swank, mm-hmm. Million Dollar Baby. But let's look at yep. who, well, let's, let's wait, let me see if there's any real surprises here. Uh, this is not going to be as as uh, as jarring, so let's just get to it. Uh, so this was the year Kate Winslet was nominated for Eternal Sunshine and the Spotless Mind. Amelda uh, oh, nice. Staunton was nominated for Vera Drake. Uh, Catalina Sandino Marino for Maria Full of Grace or Maria Full of Grapes, as I like to call her. Uh, <laughs> and Annette Benning for Being Julia. Oh, yeah. I feel like that's the Annette Benning curse is every time she's nominated with Hillary Swank, yep. Hillary Swank wins. Yeah. I feel like Dublin Zoetrope said that. Annette really <laughs> should have been charting whenever Hillary was in Freedom Writers and really gone for her Oscar then, you know? Yeah. Um, Woof. So, yeah. Uh, and that was the year that Kate Blanchett or well, she was still Kate Blanchett uh, won for the aviator That's right. for best supporting actress. OK. Yeah. We'll give her that. So there you go. Um, anyway. Sorry, just a little bit of history, a little bit of trivia uh, as to... I love that. Thank why, you. Yeah, of course, as to why Uma did not get an Oscar nomination for Kill Bill. I kind of feel like I would have expected it for volume two because it would have been like, in a way, partially for both movies, you know? Yeah, I think so too. And it's crazy that they came out a year apart from each other. But I guess they probably started filming or maybe filmed all of it. Like, I'm interested in that. I don't know the lore of it, but that's cool. I think it was maybe all. I mean, I, you know what? You know, at this at this late stage, I can't say if I know for sure. I don't know nothing about nobody. It feels like something that could have been filmed all at once and then released in parts. But who knows? Yeah. Maybe they I feel. Yeah. I was going to say maybe they filmed part one, added some feet scenes into part two <laughs> yeah. you know what i mean like who knows? Toes. yeah, yeah. Um, i i don't know if it was you who said it or keon that it, it was meant to be like this four-hour epic or something like that like one movie and then, mm-hmm. then they were just like ah maybe we'll just do two i feel like there's so much of uh this that could have that has been cut i mean there was like a whole scene that i read on the imdb of uh gogo yubari had a chapter in kill Bill volume two where her sister um sought to like avenge her sister's death and she came after, um, you know, Beatrix, and there was a whole fight scene. I'm sure Beatrix obviously won that fight, but yeah. I would have liked to have seen that. Yeah, I mean, I I read about that. That would have been honestly like we talked about this a little bit last week, but I I think it would have been, you know, uh, maybe not as many people, myself included, would have been like excited to jump on board for a four and a half hour movie or even longer. But once you kind of get into the story, I mean. I'm I was gripped the whole time and I enjoyed the epicness of it and it like and again what's the difference between that and like sitting on my tuchus watching beef all weekend you know yeah for sure I think volume two has a slower start than volume one did because how are you going to beat you know the massacre scene you know and then it just it really does take off but with volume two I felt at least it felt that way. But if I was to really kind of like go back and like put those pieces together, like it still obviously kept my attention. Like I wasn't looking at my phone or anything, but once it got started, you know, cause the first one has like Vivica A. Fox and then we just like go down the line and it just gets like more and more intense. And, um, 
It's but it still had it was just in the latter half of this or maybe like the last, you know, two thirds of it. Yeah, I feel like this did it. It does slow down a little bit, you know, even though it's, uh, you know, there's I think there's there's really only like what four or five chapters in this one, but it does take yeah. more of its time, and so, um, you know, like when it opens, we kind of get I think that's where we get the flashback to. Um, her planning the way like the, the day chapel. Yeah, yeah like everything that like leading up to the massacre at the chapel and and i was like oh these people seem so nice i don't really want to watch everybody get killed you know like i was like oh i, I was so the point being that even though it like moved a little bit slowly i was like tense from the beginning because i was like oh her friends seem so nice i hope i don't have to like I hope this is the scene doesn't go on too long you know yeah, I appreciated first of all that Samuel Samuel L. Jackson was there. I love that he was the piano player, Rufus, um, and um, that they didn't really show the massacre. They did, like you saw the the four of them coming in with their machine guns, and it kind of panned away of the, into this aerial shot. I was like, okay, that's yeah, that's nice. Yeah. I mean, it's not nice, but it's it feels you know. Thanks for that. I, I preferred that because it was like I know what happens. I don't need like. I've already, you know, in theory, I've already sat through two hours of violence in volume one. Like, we know. Like, we've seen that, like, that initial shot of her all bloodied and getting shot in the head. To me, that's all I need to see of the massacre. Yep, for sure. Yeah. It was, but it kind of reminded me of, like, a little bit of a horror movie. Like, that whole thing. Like, I know this is not going to end well. Mm-hmm. Um, but we got to keep going. We know. Yeah. It's coming. Oh, God. It just, well, you know, it's funny that the little group of like girlfriends that she had, like there was a way in which it reminded me of the character, like the, the group of characters in death proof. Like there was just a vibe that was similar. Yeah. I felt like, Oh, okay. Like in a way they're like a spiritual group of friends. Yeah. I wondered, I was talking to Keon about this right before we started to record. Like we really don't know one, how she made those friends or how she got to that point because you know it's explained in the final scene like how she did get to that point a little bit sort of but we really don't know anything about Beatrix like uh, before this chapel moment like we don't know her upbringing and her like her parents and like how she got to be this like incredible assassin I would love a prequel of it to be honest like that would be so cool to see because we got the all of that Oren Ishii uh, background like so much background in, in volume one, but I know that we don't need it, but I would like to see it. Well, I think it's like, there is a whole other story there of like, what was, you know, Beatrix's life when she was a part of this, you know, this group of assassins, you know, like what did life look like yeah. 10 years prior to this? And yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I, I know that I'd read in the trivia that uh, Quentin Tarantino said, yeah, there will be, you know, eventually there'll be a Kill Bill Volume 3, but it, you know, won't be for a while. I mean, he said it wouldn't be for another decade, but I don't know when he said that because it's been more than a decade. So anytime yeah. you want to do this, maybe, you know, I don't know, writer strike or something. But uh, but I I don't remember. I think he had suggested that it might be like following potentially, you know, Nikki, uh, Vernita's daughter. But I think equally there's a whole prequel. There's a whole like the world of Kill Bill, you know, that that he could, I feel like, mine from. And, oh, I guess now that I'm saying this, he also was saying that he wanted to do like an anime, an animated like series about the assassins. The, Ooh, the divas. that would be cool. Yeah. yeah. The divas, the dolls. The dolls. Uh, that would be, that would be cool. And I think I read that 
um, they were maybe, I think in 2020, I don't know if it was an article or maybe in the IMDb or something that um, Quentin Tarantino was eyeing up Zendaya to play Nikki, <gasps> which would be so cool. Like oh. I was like, that's perfect casting because she's young, she's hot. Yeah. Like, I think we would love that. Like, I would be so down for that. And she can do that, like, Uma acting. Like, she can go there. Yeah. You know, and I think that of course. is, like, and I, I think is almost, like, one of the keys of, like, somebody kind of, in a way, almost, like, fill, not filling the shoes of Beatrix, but kind of, like, taking on the new, like, vengeful role is, like, yeah, but can you, like, go to a 27, like, Uma? Because... For as much as, like, she gives in volume one, I thought some of the, like, emotional work that Beatrix does in volume two was, like, that's where I was, like, really? No Oscar nomination? Nothing? I know. Golden Globe? Okay. But I think that Zendaya can, like, go to those same places. Yeah, that would be so cool. I'm I'm rooting for that to happen. That would be really nice. Yeah, and I guess it's, like... I mean, and I, I hope that it's that Uma comes back. Like, I love the idea of an older Beatrix. And who's going to play BB? We going to get BB back? You know? Yes, that would be cool. Who oh. do we cast as? BB? Oh my god! Know. Who do you cast that as? Would be fun. BB Kiddo or whatever her name, whatever her name. Ooh, would be. Yeah, I know. I love BB Kiddo. BB Kiddo Instagram handle. Yeah, BB yeah. Kiddo. I don't know. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah, that would be fun. Yeah. That would be really cool. Ariana Grande. No, I no, please. Oh my. I mean, I like, know. I like don't know anyone young anymore. No, you're not young. You're not young. You know, like there's a part of me. I don't know if you saw. There's this like new Walmart like Black Friday commercial with like all of the like everyone except for yes. Regina George, the cast members of Mean Girls. Rachel McAdams. Rachel yeah. McAdams is not there, and I was like, fair enough. But you know. There's a world in which I want Lindsay Lohan to get her like to Leslie role. You know what I mean? Like I yes. I think that there is like a raw something there that I want to see. I I would like to see it in the words of Monique. And so I can't think of a better vehicle than like having her play a role in Kill Bill Volume 3. That would be so cool. And I think I might not to derail Lindsay Lohan, her comeback, but we'll go back to it. But I would love to see maybe like a Florence Pugh as a oh, BB. That's it. That's it. That's yeah, it. That's it. That because she could also go there. Yeah. Yes. Oh, I just I do. I, I don't want Beatrix to die. I don't want it to be that like Beatrix dies and then it's like BB versus Nikki. I could get together with it. I just don't want Beatrix to die, you know? Yeah, I think Beatrix would be like a Gail Weathers type. You know, she's still mm -hmm. involved, and just when you think, yeah, still she's still kicking, she's still kicking. <laughs> and at the end, she's like, "Get away from her, you bitch!" And you know, yes, has one yes, of those moments. Yes. Yeah. Ah. Uh. Uh. But you're right. That Lindsay Lohan thing was. It felt like a warm hug. Yeah. And like Mean Girls has just like it's stood the test of time. I just like. It's always going to be funny to me. And, like, I, I feel like as millennials, we kind of, like, have such ownership of that movie because it was, like, 2004 and life was so great. Yes. And, like, it was, like, my senior year of high school and I think probably your freshman year of college. Yeah. Like, it was so fresh and cool and funny. And, like, I just watched this TikTok of um, Amanda Seyfried talking about, like, the scene where she's like, do you want to do something fun? Do you want to go to Taco Bell? 
and just like filming that scene and talking about like how everyone was like so chill like all the four girls got along even though they came from different places and everyone was so excited to make that movie I I would love it I'm always rooting for like Lindsay Lohan and like I mean, the Amanda Bynes of the world too yeah you know? yeah absolutely I mean certainly I, I feel like it's looking back now it's like realizing oh wow we were right there in the sweet spot of like the mean girls moment and it becoming something yeah. the way clueless became something and like Heather's was something yes. and like the John Hughes movies were something like oh yeah we got to experience that with with mean girls and it's like sure we could you know, roll our eyes potentially. I mean, I'll, I'm me because, you know, just harumph. But like now it's, you know, there's the musical version and now there's the musical movie version. It's like it gets so far away from the original thing. But yeah. it's, but I'm also not precious about Mean Girls. I, oh, I liked it, but I, it was never mine. So I was willing sure. to be like, yeah, do whatever you want with it. On Wednesdays, you want to wear pink? I don't, I don't care. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it, it is, uh, I, I do feel like Lindsay Lohan, I want to see, you know, she's our generation's Shelley Duvall, you know? I just... Yeah. <laughs> uh, I know. God, But that's she crazy. looked good in that commercial, that Walmart commercial. She did. She, she had a good, good vibe. She had a good energy. I just, I really think what I don't want and what I don't need is for Ryan Murphy to think he's going to give Lindsay Lohan her, like, comeback. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that though. Of course, I could see it. I just think that like little stepping stones. Yeah, she needs something like an American Horror Story. I just feel like to quote L. Driver, like she deserves better. You know, she deserves better. Yeah. I want her if... to. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I mean, Keep you know, listen. Again. I I realize the the White Lotus is a lot to ask for, but like, <gasps> aim for the that moon. would be cool. Yeah, that would be cool. Or. And I know she already did this on in like a Lifetime original movie, but like I would love to see her in a season of Feud with like uh, like her playing Elizabeth Taylor and some other like starlet of the time, but like elevated because I know like people didn't love her performance in that, but I do think there's something there. Oh, I mean, if they could get like her playing Elizabeth Taylor and then I don't know. Who does she have? Beef Debbie, with? Like Reynolds? Debbie Reynolds. Debbie oh Reynolds. Florence Pugh. Is Florence Debbie Pugh is Debbie Reynolds. <laughs> oh my god! It's like when all else fails, get Florence. Uh, yes. I, I mean, listen. I don't know when it's going to happen, but at some point, someone's going to make a movie, and they're going to have somebody playing Debbie Reynolds, and I can't wait. That's going to be great. <laughs> yeah, I want to be in the era when somebody makes a period piece about Debbie Reynolds. In the 60s. Sounds amazing. Yeah. Yes. Oh, a dream. Oh, my God. Like somebody playing Sophia Loren in the 60s, you know, like in a cameo oh. scene. Ah, oh. ah. Oh. Yes. Oh. So beautiful. Well, like a picture by a pool or something. Right. Yeah. Big, beautiful boobies out. Absolutely. Oh, God. <laughs> it's the world I want to live in. Well, you know, eventually as we age, someone's going to make like a period piece about the 90s and it's going to be like. You know, uh, can I introduce you to Mary Steenburgen? You know what I mean? It's going to be some ingenue <laughs> playing yes. Mary Steenburgen. Oh, my God. Oh. Mary, take a hike. Get out of here. Get, Ted's yeah. in the car waiting for you. Get out of here. <laughs> yeah. Oh. oh, my goodness. Anyway. Well, where to next here? Do I, I mean, really, like, the first... Is the first death after the... Is it Bud? Is that who... It, you know, so is that the first of the the group? What happens is that Beatrix goes to kill Bud, and then he shoots her with those rock salt like 
oh yes ballots whatever and then they bury her alive oh Oh, the panic i was feeling the whole time (laughs) i know (laughs) they really like marinate in that like hearing the dirt yeah just like plop down do they do you hear the truck driving away in my mind you did but i don't know maybe i don't remember i remember like it would be like the screen was dark and then somehow it would get even darker and it's just like i can't it was just so oppressive oh my god i like that is i mean not like a, a like a worst fear that i walk around with but like one of those like if i sit there and think about it too long i get one of those like terror shivers and i'm like i have to shake myself out of it yes you know absolutely i mean i think everyone is afraid of being buried alive but i think i would truly lose my mind a little bit yeah i would rather get sprayed in the eyes with that mace right <laughs> just right like go blind spray it down my throat like just kill me please yeah please at that point i would just try to get them to kill me because like the idea yeah. of being conscious of being in that box i guess no. i would just start hyperventilating oh until i could pass out same you know yeah, yeah. oh god but she got that flashlight yeah which came in handy she got so, that flashlight yeah yeah, so oh, she gets God. buried alive, and then we get the flashback to her training. Which I love. Yeah. I love that. Like, the swiping of the beard, like, that's a Halloween costume. Too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so good. Well, in that whole segment, that was just, like, so cool. And I, you know, because at first it was it started, I was like, uh, okay, let, what, let's get back to that grave. But then once they started, like, fighting each other, and then he, like, got her into that that grip where he was like I could chop your arm off right now and she oh, was that's again where like in the, in volume one when Gogo was choking her with the chain it, similar with this where it was like oh the like I believe you are in so much pain right now Uma I can't yes. fucking believe you're acting the drool coming out of her mouth yeah. that's when I was just like I, it sent me over the edge I loved it yeah. I loved it and I love a good training montage like watching someone like really commit to something uh-huh. and be really great at it too like that's I love that shit oh I like when she's walking up the when she's got the pails of water and she's going up the steps I was like you know yes this 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 guy I, like you start to feel like oh man yeah I I want to I want to get that kind of exercise every day I want to feel that kind of physical fitness like oh I'm tomorrow I'm getting buckets you know and I'm not getting buckets, yes let me tell you what but yeah uh, buckets of chicken yeah exactly <laughs> exactly <laughs> buckets of chicken and I'm gonna get them delivered yeah I'll be I'll be yes. carrying them from the bucket to my mouth so yeah, I yeah I I love a good training montage. I I feel like that's one of those things, like a chase scene in a horror movie, a training montage in like a Karate Kid or Kill Bill yeah. or like just even Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead, like the montage of cleaning. Any like getting course, getting yes. your shit together montage, I just revs me up. Yeah, I think that's really the only way that I would ever like truly be able to get in shape or at least like the shape that I dream of getting in is like send me away for like six months. And and, like the fact that like they even say like he probably won't warm up to you within the first year because he hates like white women. Right. (laughs) I would be so terrified, but also like I think I got this, but it also seems so hard. Oh, my God. I mean, I it's. It's no comparison whatsoever, but I, you know, only in that I lost a lot of weight. But when I went to Peru and I did the whole ayahuasca thing. Oh, yeah, of course. You know, I mean, I, it was like, 
I was only like there in Peru, like for like I guess all told three weeks, but like you had to start the diet and stuff beforehand. So all you know, by the end of it, I had gone like an entire month of like eating like a really like super healthy, clean diet. I'd like no sugar, barely any salt. Like I was yeah. no fried foods, none of that. I was just it was oh, I was so skinny. Oh my god, and I and I think that's the only way to it's the only way I'm ever gonna look. You know, and I was barfing my brains out every other night with the ayahuasca so i guess that probably helped a little bit but you know all all powers combined i was you know i was feeling great but you know the first night that we were like in the jungle and we did we did a ceremony that first night and i did a lot of barfing and then the next morning we did this other thing that involved like drinking this stuff and then drinking like a lot of water really quickly to like get yourself to then throw it up which was like really like awful and so then that was even more throwing up and then i was just like so wrung out by then i just like threw the bowl i was drinking water out of and just like walked away and then i like laid in a hammock and cried and it was like (laughs) and i was it was just i was broken i was just like i'm done and i'm stuck here for another two fucking weeks and it all got better from there but it was that feeling of like it was what i imagined in this situation of like you know it you when when you get broken by the process and then you're like and all I can do is keep going through it, you know? Yeah, uh, you know, wiggling that first toe, hard part's over. Yep. Yeah, because after that, Oof. I mean, there were some rough days and nights and whatnot, but nothing like that. And I think that yeah. I really appreciated here and what it made, why it made me think of all of that was, like, he had to break her before, like, training her, you know? Yeah, the mindset shift and everything else, too. And I I always like, and they don't really show this, which I like, but it's kind of like hinted at a little bit that, you know, does he have a favorite student? But like, I feel like he, she kind of was, you know, like he taught her that like crazy heart exploding thing, too. And like, I feel like he doesn't show that to everyone. Yeah. Um, and, but I love that we don't see it. Like he doesn't ever like give a knowing smile as she's like carrying water up the stairs. You know, it's just it's he's tough as nails yeah it's not like you know when you get a proud smile from mr miyagi in the karate yes Kid. There's, exactly you know yeah. you get nothing it's like that thing with um i always forget the line but i love it it's it's when meryl says to amy adams in doubt like she has that line of like oh you would kill for a, sh- a scrap of humanity right now wouldn't you or like something like yes. that of like oh you, mm-hmm. if only someone would just smile right now um and i just feel like that's that's how I would be. It's like, please just validate me. Say I'm doing a good job. Give me something. Yeah, that's like the crux of we're like going way off the rails here. But I was I was in therapy today and we we're talking about like how I need permission and validation for like a lot of things in my life, too. And I wish I didn't. But like it really does. Even something very small can be such a confidence boost. Like, hey, you're doing the right thing mm. and you should keep going mm-hmm. from anyone. And sometimes it's unexpected or sometimes it's like a podcast review on The Good Vanilla or someone sending me a message. I'm like, ah, oh, yes, there it is. And it can like give me enough fuel for like the next six months if it's like the right timing. Yeah, yeah. It, I, I hear you. I think it's it's hard to – I mean, I guess like – and I'm not saying that I'm coming from this point of view, like there'd be someone who would, or people who would feel like, Oh, you got to get to the point where you, you don't, you know, you can validate yourself or you can get those good feelings internally. Yeah. And I, I mean, obviously that's easier said than done. And I 
like wish I could get to that point where it was just like, but me like pepping myself up and saying, no, you're doing a good job. You're doing fine. Like the exchange rate on that versus someone else telling me I'm doing a good job. It's like, you know, rupees and rupees and dollars. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah, no comparison. Yeah. 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 But I, I going back to the training thing, I, I just I really loved it. And her watching. Oh, my not watching um, her picking up those chopsticks. I was like, somebody help her with those chopsticks. Oh, there was so much hand like hand injury, hand acting, hand acting, <laughs> hand injuries, hand stuff. I did a lot oh. of like holding my hands. Oh, you know, know. The, the repeated punching. I mean, there was one shot when she was trying to punch the wood and you could see like some of the skin coming off her knuckle. And I was like, oh, it's the most painful I injury know. in this whole movie. I know because it, it, it's you know that she has to keep on doing it. Yeah. And yeah. that's not healing right away. No, no. That's just going to continue to, you know, that's going to leave a mark. But, you know, I Oof. act one hand injury because I I dumb dumb did not put it together that oh she's going to be using these skills in an opportune moment but we eventually go back to the box underground yeah. and then it's like oh, you're gonna do the punch and yes oh it was so like that was some great acting like uma's grunt acting as she was like starting to break through i was like yes get out of that box <laughs> yes <laughs> and because she can't really even get the full like when she bends her elbow like she can't really even stand it up straight like she kind of is like like it was less than three inches i feel mm. that punch and then I, I mean i am totally fine with putting aside the fact that like she kind of like super womaned her way out oh. of that she just like sailed through the dirt but i i loved that choice like it worked for me yeah i was i was very fascinated by like I, and maybe someone would explain the science of how she like surfed the surf the avalanche <laughs> yeah. of of, uh, of loose dirt but it was i think even if it was not quite realistic it, it captured the cathartic feeling of like breaking yeah. out of that and just like shooting out of that grave it was so oh my god oh it was like get was out oh, and i was so because the shots were kind of tight i was so afraid she was going to get out of that grave and then michael madsen was going to be like leaning against his truck with a gun and then he was going to shoot her again and i was like yeah just give the woman a fucking break or at least a glass of water or at least a glass <laughs> like, of water her crossing that highway made me cackle oh. oh that was so funny watching her walk out of the cemetery just like like Pigpen and Charlie yeah. Brown, just like a cloud of dust, made me laugh so hard. I love that they're again. I said it last week. I love these little bits of humor. It's yeah. I mean, I think that when because when it gets really dark, like it's a nice balance. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I I don't know if there's any connection here, but yeah, uh, there is. As you quoted, there is a moment in this movie where she arrives at at the bar. You know this diner you know and sits down and says you know or the counter and says can i have a glass of water and i don't know if you know this but she has a very similar scene in a movie called hysterical blindness i don't know if you've ever heard of it um i've heard of this where yes. after she gets really drunk at towards the end and then she gets rejected <gasps> and then she goes to bobby oh at the God. bar and she says can i have a glass of water please and I don't know. I'm just Whoa. saying. I'm just saying. I don't know what came first, the Uma or the Quentin, but uh, <laughs> that's awesome, though. Yeah, I, I I believe that's that has to be true. Yeah, I want to believe that 
that movie came out between volumes one and two and Quentin was like, we, I need to, I need to recognize this moment. I need to bring this into my movie and I need to see those feet. Yes. <laughs> those dirty feet. Show me those yes. dirty feet. Yeah. <laughs> uh. And it's, it's so funny. She like crosses, she like puts her hands together and asks him and like, what a crazy moment. But, and I even love when she's trying to get out of the grave too. And like the dirt kind of keeps falling in on her. Uh. Like you're really not quite sure if she's going to like go down again. Um, oh, I just loved it. I yeah. felt relieved. Well, that reminds me of me. You've probably seen this, but I feel like there was some meme that was going around of like, you know, when we were kids, everyone was warning us about quicksand and quicksand was such a thing. Yes. Quicksand's not yes. really a thing anymore. It used to be a thing in movies and TV shows and cartoons. Yep. Uh, yeah. The meme is like, I, I really can't believe how much like I guess millennials specifically worried about quicksands. Yeah. Quicksand in our youth. Like, where were we going? Right. That there was quicksands like nowhere. Nowhere. And now I can't even think of I, where where it where because I, I wanted to find it. Where would I go? You know? Yeah. I, I'm thinking like a jungle or something like some tropic sort of. I don't even know. I don't know. Let me tell you. I don't I, think it exists. I went to the jungle. I threw up for two weeks. I didn't fall in quicksand once. Yeah. So debunked. Yeah. Debunked. And, you know, I mean, how much jungle could there be? You know? Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um, well, yeah. So she gets out of there, gets her glass of water, and that's when we then – you know, and this makes sense that, like – other than the training sequence, like most of the movie takes place in Texas. And so I get the kind of like, oh, yeah, I see how it's a Western. Yeah. Even Bud and his hat, which I read about the hat that like Quentin Tarantino hated the hat and tried to like get him to take it off. And yeah. he hated it so much that he wrote it into the script. So Michael Madsen had to eventually take. And I don't know if it was one of those things where like Michael was like, I feel my character would wear this. And he just wasn't budging. So <laughs> Quentin Tarantino wrote it into the script. It was so funny. Right. It was like his boss at the like at the strip club or whatever was like, you know, hated his hat or whatever. Because I remember there was that scene where he goes to talk to his boss and there was something kind of like slimy hot i don't know there was like maybe there was a bulge in those jeans i couldn't stop staring at but uh i sure. just remember him saying like you know you're about as you're, you're trying to convince me that you're you know uh you're not as useless as an asshole right here and point to his elbow or whatever the line yes. is but uh yep. i feel like yeah there's there's a line that that quentin wrote in about his hat as well in that scene he hated that hat hated that hat but now we're going back to Bud's trailer again when um, Daryl Hannah shows up. Right? Yes. So the whole yes. the idea is that he, you know, Bud, you know, or so he thought killed Beatrix and then was going to sell her sword to L for a million dollars. So, yeah. um, so L comes to the desert and brings the money in a little in a little suitcase. But I feel like you could you could take that as a carry on. I feel like that would fit in the little, in the little thing yeah, at the, uh, I'd at the say gate. So. Um, and I did, I'll tell you what, I did not know it was going to happen because we see, Ooh, yeah, we see Beatrix watching them from a, from the cliff. And so you're like, okay, when is Uma going to burst through the window and she's going to kill him? We saw her kill 88 guys. She's going to kill the two of them at the same time. Yes. And, uh, yeah, I, I kind of love that. Like, Oh, plot twist this whole scene had nothing to do with uma yeah i mean what a pun intended what a snake daryl hannah is like i 
Like, that's... I have questions about the group's dynamic. That's why I need that prequel. Like, I need to know why they hate each other so bad or why they hate Uma so much, too. But I guess it's because she was the best of them, too. And I feel like she was Bill's favorite. But that's just my own assumptions. I think that's... But, I think you're right yeah. about that. I think because he says at the end, like, you're you're my favorite person. But, you yeah, know, that's kind true. of sometimes. Um, didn't you say... <laughs> And I, this is not me calling you out, but I, I think I was, no, I was waiting it. for this, is because you had mentioned when we did volume one that in volume two there's like flashbacks to like the group dynamic, and so I kept thinking I was going to see oh. more of that, and then I, because I, I was like, oh, we'll see more of Vivica Fox or whatever, you know. Oh dang! I'm sorry that I said that. I maybe I thought I said I was because I edited that episode. I thought I said there's more Daryl Hannah, but if I said the group, I was mistaken because really you don't really see a lot of Daryl Hannah either like until this scene I guess which mm. is a great scene but I don't know empty promises yeah apologies that's all right no that's fine you know it it, it <laughs> meant that everything was a surprise because I wasn't I wasn't expecting it um but yeah. no we because we, I that's I think yeah certainly where our prequel is is like seeing the way that this these people you know interacted and, and understanding like is this just a common thing to kind of betray each other and in the same way that they all attacked and killed Beatrix like it's not necessarily out of character for Elle to you know kill Bud and uh, take the money and the sword um, I don't know or or is there something between Bud and Elle we don't know about you know yeah because I really feel like a lot of it she was angry or you know like she well to kind of set up the scene uh, you know Bud is you know the sword is now uh Daryl Hannah's and then Bud is opening up the suitcase to just kind of sift the money and just kind of revel in that but there is a black mamba in that suitcase that just bites him in the face oh god like the cheek the forehead and then he just like dies this like agonizingly slow death on the floor and his face is swollen like it's some really good acting and some really good makeup too and during the in this you know, him writhing on the floor is when Daryl Hannah kind of sits down and she's like, I have uh, re- regret. What what was it? The, the R or was it the uh, it's not relief. It's probably regret because she couldn't believe that Bud was the one who killed uh, Uma Thurman. And I think she was mad about that in some way. Well, I think that goes back to that. Like, And there's a, a few moments of, the, of that in this movie, what we talked about in the first one of like there's a certain honor in in, in killing and there's a certain like it's not all senseless violence and so from her point of view she was because they had this whole conversation earlier about like you know um now that you're not because i guess he's like well now that you're you know whatever out of the biz or whatever like you know uh you either feel relief or regret you know and um yeah and she says you know ultimately like later answers this question when he's writhing on the floor of like regret that like the best you know, fighter, you know, the best warrior that I've ever met could have died at like the hands of some like slimy, scabby loser like you. She deserved better. Yeah. And I think that goes back to that thing of like, uh... you know, she, what even Bill says in the first movie of like, you know, what we're not going to do is sneak into her, you know, hospital room and kill her while she's sleeping. You know, like if she's going to wake up, then she'll wake up and we'll deal with her. And so I just, I think there's so many moments of like that where it's just like, oh, well, that's, like that there's no honor in that or there's no kind of like I can't respect that that like she died at your slimy hands you know yeah and in a way she kind of like but he killed her I mean he still got the credit for or in quotes I guess like killed her but 
I just, I felt bad for him. I feel like he's probably the most removed from it all, too. Like, he seems to have moved on, even though his life is pretty shitty. He's like, yeah, I'm going to live in this trailer and fuck the rest of you. Like, and he even says earlier to Bill, like, that woman deserves her revenge. Like, we're, mm-hmm. we did what we did, and now we have to, like, suffer the consequences. Like, she's after us now. But, yeah. I mean, he still puts up a fight, I guess. I feel like in some ways, if we really got to see the dynamic of that group, like, Bud was probably kind of the most beta of the group, you know, like I think, yeah. you know, certainly, you know, compared to these other women that we've met, like it's which I love that, like of these assassins, yeah. it's the man of the group who is very much kind of a stereotypical, you know, has like a you know piggy piggy energy, you know, has that line about Beatrix of like, yeah, you know, she was smart for a blonde like he's got like he's a he's a trash bag but i love that he's also like the least powerful of all of them yeah because he's just kind of like a regular looking guy i'm like i can't picture you being because it seemed like he was pretty good with a sword and that was his sort of weapon of choice i guess um but yeah Yeah, i don't know i mean i guess that's like i when i think of that i think michael madsen's like interesting casting because like you could go back and look at like michael madsen in the 90s and it's kind of like tom sizemore in the 90s where it's just like i don't think michael madsen was like quite as tragic like a tragic of a case as like tom sizemore but like i don't know you look at some of these guys even like steven seagal and you look at him in his prime and it's like oh yeah like that he was really in shape you know and then you look at him later in life and it's like oh god look at this galoot you know (laughs) <laughs> yes, for sure. So I feel like Michael Madsen could kind of is kind of good casting for that. Is like, oh, here's I think so too. Someone who's a little past a prime of sorts. So yeah, um, but yeah. So indeed, Beatrix doesn't even kill Bud. Uh, Elle kills him, and then when she goes to leave with the money and the sword, that's when Beatrix comes flying in feet first. <laughs> so that's another moment that makes me laugh because it's just so crazy. It's so like, nuts. torpedo. Yeah, it was. I mean, it's. I love like quick fighting where they're just like pew 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 pew. Yeah. Uh, it was, and especially in that trailer. Ugh. Oh my god, that scene was it was bonkers. And like I had remembered that an eye injury. I remember seeing like the shot of that, but I think in my mind I thought, oh, it's a flashback to when Elle lost her eye. And so I wasn't quite expecting this twist where she reveals yeah, that she killed uh Pei or, you know, Pei May or I'm I'm forgetting his name, but her Pai May. Pai May. I don't know. I I I just watched the movie today. You think I would remember, but uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know I uh, can't remember. Yeah, Mr. Whitebeard, where she killed him. Yeah. And so then it's like, oh, like, you're just putting salt on the wound. And I just, I loved, I just, I loved, because I think after that it was like, I didn't need the fight to go on much longer. I just wanted Beatrix to just be like, oh, I'm going to kill you. And instead she just rips out her other eye. I thought, oh, that is so perfect. That's so, it's better than killing her. Yeah, because she is... She's toast, man. This is, I think, probably Keon's favorite movie reaction ever when I first watched this because I did not expect that. And the gasp oh. that I gasped was because it really does come out of nowhere. And it's so obvious in a way, but it's not. And it's just like, she's just like, she reminds me of Sally in Texas Chainsaw Massacre yeah. at the end, just like screaming her face off because she knows that like, She's powerless. She's completely powerless. She right. She can't see. Which is like worse than killing her is like making her 
totally powerless. And you know, what's interesting is it's reminiscent of when Beatrix first met uh, Pi, and when he, you know, made her powerless and and helpless. And he was like, you know, have you ever felt Ooh, yeah. like this before? And she was like, no. And 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 that was like what had reduced her to her lowest moment. There was like being completely powerless and I could kill you if I wanted to. I could rip off your arm right now if I wanted to. And uh, in the same way, I feel like Beatrix did the similar thing of like, I could just kill you right now, but instead I'm going to just like leave you to ride blind in this trailer with a black mamba snake creeping around. Yeah. I mean, really um, Daryl Hannah's character, like she doesn't, and even in the first movie too, like she's, she's a piece of shit. Like she doesn't honor the honor, if that makes sense of like how to kill people. She wanted to give her that shot. Mm -hmm. She wanted to just get it over with because like that meant that it was done, I guess too. And even the way that she killed Bud. um, And, and then of course we learned that she killed uh, Paime as well too, that it's just like, she sucks. Yeah, she, <laughs> so she sucks. totally deserved it. Yeah. yeah. And in some ways, you know, yeah, the idea of her being like, oh, Beatrix deserved to die from someone better than you. I mean, that could even just be like bullshit of like, no, you just wanted to be the one to do it. Yep. That's all yep. it was. Yep. yep. Um, and apparently I, I read in the trivia that Daryl Hannah like improvised this like wild reaction and it was not in the script, but she just did it to like make Quentin Tarantino laugh and they kept it. Yeah, it really is like, like she's really chewing the scenery, like oh. literally, just like all in the bathroom and just because I would be scared if it was me that like I, I, she's probably gonna stab me. But like the only thing she can really like say is like I'm gonna fucking kill you, like you're fucking dead. But like no, she's not. <laughs> like, yeah, you are. Well, that's the what I love about that is it's like oh my god, like the irony that like I mean talk about being blind, like you have you do not see reality for what it is like you are you're fucked and i just the idea of just and i think again we've seen this with beatrix in the past like when she doesn't kill that young yakuza kid um you know that there's or you know stopping to not kill vernita when her daughter gets home like i think she doesn't yeah. kill unnecessarily and i think here it's like certainly l deserved it but it was i i think when you think about like revenge and when she says to vernita like no revenge would be killing you and then your daughter and your husband like then mm -hmm. we're square and so in a way it's like revenge is for you to suffer longer you know than to yeah. just like mercifully kill you yeah, if she makes it, because there she's out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, no, oh, she's she's she can't fucked. find her flip phone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that snake's gonna get her, you know. Oh yeah. Oh god, it it was it was awesome. Yeah. I loved it. Oh, that was great. But indeed, that leaves all that's left is for Beatrix to go to, which she go to Mexico. She goes somewhere, you know. Uh, somewhere south, I'd say. She flies or so, yeah. south to go meet up with an old pimp. And that's where she asks, where's Belle? Esteban. Esteban, yeah. And uh, and then, you know, the, the the final showdown with Bill at and, – and, you know, at this point, we've seen three and a half hours of madness. And uh, so we're like, okay, like this is going to be like – this is going to be some craziness, you know? Like this is going to be like a bloodbath. Yep. And she gets to Bill's little house – and Bill's playing with their daughter in the backyard. 
I gasped. I totally forgot about it because there's so much going on that you forget at the end of the first movie that the daughter's still alive. But you don't. I, I obviously did not think about it once until I was like, holy shit. What a yeah. great twist and like perfect placement of that moment. Oh, and Uma's acting when she saw BB. Oh. I mean, it was that was like, oh, my goodness. This is like. It reminds me of the time you were in hysterical blindness, like just. Yes. I mean, that's what Al Driver was in the last scene. That was hysterical blindness. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) But I love this because Esteban probably told Bill, hey, she's on her way. Mm -hmm. And he was able to tell BB, your mommy's coming. Yeah. Because like the way that she just goes right into it, like she's still young enough to kind of to know that it's her mommy and that she woke up. And to be excited about it and like what a fucking slap in the face, but also like there's so much that she's feeling in that moment. Oh, it's so cool. I'd like to see Beatrix kind of like negotiate that that moment and then to kind of give in and play the scene. I was I was just like, oh, Uma. Oh, yeah, it's just too much. So and and I know. the the movie is I mean in a way it's like the movie slows down again but I think a I was ready for it I don't think I needed another big fight scene but I also like was feeling tense the entire time like just being in Bill's presence I feel tense yeah it was like when you know Vivica A Fox and her are just like do you want a cup of coffee I'm mm-hmm. like I don't trust anyone. Yeah, like, but it's like there's history there too. It's like they were in love, and yeah. he, you know, well, first of all, I guess like um, Beatrix hangs out with BB. They have like this beautiful little moment where they watch TV and snuggle, and it's just so nice to see it and like to know that like she still has to do what she came there to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's like it's it it is totally similar to the Bernita scene where it's like, well, I'm not going to kill you in front of your daughter. But like, so you, so there's almost a sense of like, okay, well, he's not like, Bill's not going to come in here while I'm laying here with our daughter and, and shoot me. Like, he's not going to do that. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. It, the, the rules of engagement, you know, the rules of war, like that, that's just not how we're going to operate. And so like, it's just this like weird kind of like, you know, brief standoff and um, or or ceasefire of sorts, and then, uh, and then you're then you're kind of expecting like, oh, okay, maybe they're gonna just talk it out. I don't know. And yeah. then you know, uh, he, I mean, he he also got nominated for best supporting actor for the Golden Globes, and you know, got I feel like he and Uma got a lot of the acting nominations and the other, you know. Um, across the award circuit and I totally see it. I think that he gives such a like calm, like calming performance, but also an incredibly like unnerving performance. Yeah. I mean, I was swooning over this man, like the voice, the voice Mm. he like, if I'm closing my eyes, listeners, I don't know if maybe someone can solve this mystery. He sounds like someone else, like the cadence, uh, like of his voice and like how he, I don't know. It's like, and I, it's like kind of at the tip of my tongue, but I don't, I still haven't figured it out. He sounds like another male celebrity and I don't know if I'll ever figure it out, but if you know who it is, let me know. But I was just, I think he's so handsome. And I I sent you like a younger picture of him too, like back in his, like the heyday. And he's just so hot, but you're right. It's like this 
I almost wanted him to be a little bit more rough around the edges, mm-hmm. but I like that he was kind of, you know, he was great with BB, you know, and even in the, um, earlier on in the movie, like she says, like, I've always liked your sweet side. And he's like, well, I have only shown it to you or something like that. Um, you almost forget that they're about to, one of them's going to be dead in like five minutes. You know, it's, it's just really kind of a grounded performance. And I agree. Like it's, this monologue that he was kind of he kind of leads that scene as she's sitting on that couch too like he's he's great in this oh and that monologue is so interesting about like superman and where it's like no the like yeah the superman outfit that's those are his clothes the the glasses and the suit and the clark kent like that's the costume and you know kind of recognizing like i you know this is who you are and like i think that's i mean again what opens up like there's so much more about beatrix and like who she really is and like you know i don't know like just that idea of like her identity and like her identity being like even you know now complicated by having her daughter in her life like i just think there's there's something that we've seen even with all of these other folks who have been on the kill list of like trying like vernita is a perfect example of here's somebody who has what appears to be like you know, uh, a very normal life and is trying to have a very normal life with a nice doctor husband and her daughter and house in the suburbs. But like who you really are is right underneath the surface. And I think that like, Bud, in a way it's like the fact that he's like a, you know, a recluse in a, in a trailer in the middle of the desert. I almost kind of, I would expect that like somebody who's almost like hiding from who they really are. And then there's somebody like L driver. Who's like, unabashedly still an asshole you know yeah i love the idea of like you know she's a natural born killer and you can't ever escape that like yeah. that's who she's gonna be she was born superman she wasn't spider-man like nothing was like thrust upon her that's just who she was and uh you said something um oh it's like i feel like l thinks that she can be Beatrix like it reminds me of these like two people I went to college with they were both piano majors and there was this one girl that was just like this incredible uh pianist and like she just like had it within her like she could just like do it and there was this guy that they like butted heads a lot too um of course he was gay and Mm -hmm. like no matter how much he practiced and how hard he worked he could never quite be this other girl, like he just didn't have that ease. Although he was also very talented, it reminds me exactly of like Elle and Beatrix, like because she wanted to be the queen bee, mm-hmm. but she just, she never is. She's never going to be that person. Yeah, for like a number of reasons, like even like, you know, we've seen, and this isn't like the only reason, but like as, as one of many examples, we've seen throughout the movie the ways in which Beatrix is like very charming and very likable. And it's just like yes. a, as a person, as someone that you you can very much like and there's never a moment where l driver comes across as a likable person so no um, she's like a cartoon character of what a you know an assassin would look like yeah she's not fooling anyone and and is not likable at all i mean the fact that she told pie may that he was a foolish old man and that's why he poked her her first eye out i mean like and when we when and at that point we had already seen like how he was with uma and it's like oh my god like L driver is such an asshole. Yep. She's the worst of them. I think I agree. I think she's the worst of them. I think that bill then in comparison, to all of them, I mean, there's really, I feel like with him, you know, 
it, it's only he only like shoots you know when he needs to he only hurt you know injures when he needs to like there's a certain like economy to when he has to be a killer and i feel like i don't know i'm not saying that, that bill's a good guy like bill's a nightmare but i think it's just yeah. so consistent of this running theme of like not mindlessly killing not mindlessly not having mindless violence having there be a purpose to it having there be even a sort of like i don't know like I, I I wanted to say elegance, but there's a certain like Bill just even when he's brandishing a gun, he's just like so suave and calm about it all, you know? Yeah. And oh, go ahead. Sorry. I, no, but I just like I think he's kind talking. of the pinnacle of that of that idea of like, you know, having a, a purpose to your violence. Yeah, it makes sense that they're a good match, mm-hmm. like that they that he was in love with her. And I think about like when um, in the first one where she goes to see Hattori Hanzo for the sword and all she has to say or she doesn't say his name he writes it on the window Mm -hmm. but like what is it about Bill like what made him like break his blood oath in order to make this sword like what did he do to Hattori Hanzo or even when Bill has to talk to Paimei to convince him to train uh, Beatrix like he comes down a little scuffed up you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. what's that about? Like, I'm I'm interested, again, about, like, what... And the fact that he has, like, four or five, I guess, like, people that look up to him, including Beatrix. Like, what's that about? Because he doesn't seem to be a good guy. Yeah. But he's kind of a good guy. I feel like... I don't know. Bill, like, he... Not that I watched more than a couple episodes, but there's, like, a Tony Soprano quality to Bill. You know, yeah. Oh, that's a great comparison, right? Like, I just feel like in the same way, like Tony is complex. He's he's likable, and he's also evil, and he's also this, and he's all like. I just think Bill has similar vibes, and there's just we never get the answers to all of that. And in a way, of course, I want all that story, but in another way, I I appreciate and I like recognize, like, wow, that's really good writing and acting and directing to feel all that about a character with ever out ever actually being handed any of that, you know? Yes. Have you seen there? There's I, it was a TikTok for me because I didn't get this far in the series, obviously, but they, um, he comes out holding the orange juice and he, him and Carmela have a fight in the driveway. He's like, what the hell is this? And she's like, it's the pulp. You like the pulp. He's like, I like some pulp. (laughs) I don't like it. And it's so funny. And she throws the phone at his head. It's so funny. Oh, yeah. No, I haven't seen that one. And he's like, what the hell is that for? And she's like, I'll I'll write you a list. Oh, Uh, it's so funny. It's so human and stupid. He's like, I like some pulp. Yeah, like some pulp. I I can can see him doing that. S-H-U-M. Yeah, Yeah. like some pulp. Yeah. Ugh. (laughs) <laughs> is he in a bathrobe while he's saying it? I just yeah, of course. I think he is. Of course, yeah, it's yeah. so funny. Oh Ugh. God, he's so hot. <laughs> so hot. He's just so hot. Uh, well, yeah. um, so eventually, so oh God, I love when he he shoots the little you know truth serum into her knee and the acting from Uma when he when Bill was like, "Did you really think that your life in El Paso was going to work out?" and she was like <gasps> fighting against herself to then say. No, but I would have had BB with me, and it was like, oh yep. my god, you did not even get an, a, a, an Oscar nomination for this. Yep, I know, I know, because he wants the truth for her from her rather, and he wants answers too. Because up until that point, I guess really like 
him and the audience, I guess, like really didn't know what happened. And then we get, I, I'm kind of jumping to Karen. I don't know if we're ready to talk about Karen, but um, it's just, yeah, that couch acting was some, it was unreal. Well, yeah, oh, it was incredible. But yeah, no, then that's because he was like, I thought, you know, uh, basically, because, you know, from, from Bill's point of view, it's like you just disappeared and I didn't know what happened. Yeah. And then so she brings us back to like remember that last you know uh assignment i was on with like was to assassinate i think lisa wong and Mm -hmm. um but of course you know they were on to her and so while she was in a hotel room taking a pregnancy test that's when uh karen the assassin shows up I loved it. I love the idea of her dropping the stick on the floor and bending down and that prevents her from being killed honestly Uh, and they they sort of like spar for a couple seconds and then she you know Beatrix is like on the bed pointing a pistol at her I love she, she says um, like I'm better than Annie fucking Oakley so like watch out bitch and she has like it's just a standoff I'm like any of them can shoot mm-hmm. and then Beatrix chooses to share with her in that moment that she's like I just found out that I'm pregnant and makes her pick up the stick to like prove it, I guess. And it just adds so much texture to it, especially like two women talking. You know, I don't know if Karen has kids, but like it's just so interesting that she's able, much like the at the end of the fight in the first one where she spanks him, you know, and says, go home. Mm-hmm. Like, just do me a favor, turn around and get out of here. Yeah, this, this was another one of those moments where it was like, you know, where she was like, I'm pregnant. And like that, that was similar to Vernita's daughter coming home. And like, there was just like a, oh, okay. And, and I love the tension of like, she gets her to pick up the stick. She's like, well, I don't know what the fuck this means. She's like, the box with the instructions are right over there. And just like the tension of her, like looking at the box and, and you're like, oh my God, at any point, like either of them could just shoot each other. And I love that when it was like, uh, I don't know, just that, that understanding of like, okay, fine congratulations and just like (laughs) runs out of there so that shot of her through the door yeah like a hole in the door that was a great shot it's so funny yeah that was just so perfect and again just like um she's coming for the westons coming for the westons remember you yeah well apparently i had read this was because the the woman who plays karen is um well, you know, she's in the movie, and she's in the cast, and I'm saying all this because I'm probably vamping a little bit. That's okay. Um, but she's in the movie, and she's in the cast. Her name is Karen, and she is an assassin who comes in later in the movie. Oh, she's played by <laughs> Helen Kim, um, who, okay. let's see if she was ever in JAG or anything. Let's see if we know Helen Kim, because, uh, no, she's uh, she is in Death Proof. She plays somebody named Peg. So okay, that'll be fun. Um, but otherwise, this was her first movie, and so this you know big things are happening. Helen Kim, the Westons are coming. I, I love that, and like th- this is a note even from the first one and the second one as well. Um, there are never really any outside variables to this like no one runs into the hallway when they hear a shotgun blow down a hotel door. You know, right. like. But it also works like it doesn't matter that that like no one's walking out or there's no police, you know, interfering with any of this in any capacity. Um, But it it also just 
works and i love that i mean i think it's like again when you think about the first movie and you think about for example the house of blue leaves and the fact that like there's all those patrons there and like there's, yeah, there's more well and there's just in general like more people in the first movie and in the second one like yeah all of the scenes there's it there's just not a lot of people and so i i think that i don't know yeah like it would make sense that somebody would hear this or there'd be some kind of reaction but i think the the, the constant sense of isolation in the second movie like that feels consistent yeah i i think it's cool um and it just you don't i questioned it only because my mind went there but also it doesn't really matter um so we're back we're back at bills we're back at sitting outside yeah yeah and he basically admits like yeah i may have overreacted a little bit with the with the massacre which is crazy because like really all we you know he says i i thought you were dead and in the search for like the fucker who killed you i found out that you were still alive and married gonna get married to some asshole and i don't know if she did he say that he knew that she was pregnant or not maybe not because when he comes to the massacre he's like he got a bun in the oven yeah i don't i think he did not know she was pregnant wow yeah because um, he thought it was uh, her her fiance's, so yeah. Um, but yeah, and then I mean, yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say because well, you know, earlier in the movie, he had kind of makes a suggestion of like, oh, we could go down to the beach, and basically like sets up some kind of like we could do this like moonlight sword fight on the beach, uh, which apparently there were plans to do some more extended fight, but uh, Harvey Weinstein mm-hmm. felt like they needed to wrap things up, so. Uh, Jesus, and you know when Harvey wants something, God, oh, what a nightmare! You know, it's just so. Yeah. I not to like harp on an obvious thing, but it's just like it's just such a weird thing to like know that name in such a specific context, and then to like read the trivia, and it's like, and then Harvey Weinstein weighed in and suggested, and it's like, oh God, yeah, you really, you really touched everything. Yeah, take a hike, Harvey. Jesus yeah. Christ, what does he know about anything? Nothing. Oh, he, Nothing. You know, he's pooping his pants in prison. Uh, <laughs> and so, you know, but instead we kind of get basically like like getting really drunk with your friends on like the back patio uh, after the barbecue. Yeah. And they basically like have a fight sitting at the table. I love that. He comes so close to slitting her throat and she like leans back. Yeah. And... It all happens so quickly. Well, yeah, my, I think my favorite part was like he manages to like swat her sword away and then he goes to like stab at her and she like sheaths his sword with her yes sheath and i was like oh the like sexual imagery of like that like the 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 domination oh, yeah. of this you know what i mean the female domination of this penetrative moment i just love and then she i mean the the irony of like then she breaks his heart again yep i know what Ugh. is it called? It's like the five finger, the five the five point palm exploding heart technique. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, I just I and I just thought that was so genius to have that be like. I was expecting, oh, she's gonna chop his fucking head off, but I thought no, the idea that like she broke his heart once and then she breaks it again for real. Yep. And uh, and it's surprisingly emotional too. Like, yeah. For her and him, I guess. But he's he says, "How do I look?" And she's like, "You look ready." And as 
as we know, as if, is it like five steps? Yeah. You've got to take five steps, and then your heart explodes. Yeah. I would just stay in that chair. I'm like, I'm not walking ever again. Right, right, <laughs> yeah. Can I have a glass of water, please? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then, yeah, so I, I think my favorite scene in the movie, and I think it's now just like one of my favorite scenes, is obviously she, she collects BB. They get the fuck out of there. And then, like, later they're in, like, a hotel room, and she's having that scene on the bathroom floor. Oh, yes. That, like, that mix of... I mean, it was like the end of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It was like... Yes. It was so cool of her, like, laying on the floor crying, but the crying is then turning to laughter, and there's this kind of, like, hysterical relief, and she whispers thank you, and I was like, this is how I felt when I... (laughs) When I got my job a couple months ago. Yes, of course. <laughs> this yes. is how I felt. Um, this is how I felt when I passed my Salesforce certification, honestly. When I got the job a couple <laughs> months ago, at that point, I was so – all of my nerves were so fried. I was just like, I got it. I Basically, when I got the job a couple months ago, I was like I was like Jennifer Connelly at the end of Requiem for a Dream, just like holding the dollar, holding the stack <laughs> of money, yes, still yes, wearing yes. my coat on the couch, you know. Um, <laughs> that's that's how I felt. Um but I just thought that was so perfect and so cool to show and to, like, give us, like, there's no other point to the scene than to just show the, like, mix of emotions that, that comes at the end of this awful journey. Yeah, she made it out on the other side. And, like, even her driving with uh, BB reminded me of, like, the end of Spencer. Remember when she's driving yeah. away with, like, the two boys and mm-hmm. they go to, like, Burger King or something? Yeah, they go to McDonald's in a Porsche. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I love that. And to just, she has nothing to worry about, quote unquote, I guess, like anymore. And that she did it. And I'm sure she had to go into like such a different headspace for all of that. And she also probably loved Bill too. Like, yeah, she hated that she had to do that, but she, I don't want to say she started it, but, but you know, like she made what she thought was a good decision and then it just backfired on her. But yeah, a great scene. I loved it. Well, and she like, I mean, everything she has what you know at the end of this everything that she has to endure to get to this point when you really look back on it like each of these i mean granted she didn't have to kill bud but like everybody else she had to work for it like she had to work so fucking hard you know to to take these people out and i just think that like that is also i just think is so incredible and i really like think about that with this scene of like you this is years. This is training. This is in a coma. This is this is so many things you've been through that have finally led to this point. This is uh, this is nuts. Yeah, she she really tore it up, Miss Thing. Absolutely, <laughs> she really tore it up, Miss Thing. Oh my god, it was it was incredible. And again, like I really feel like I think to answer your initial question, I think I. Oh yeah, let's talk about it. I may. I may like the first movie a little bit more as a movie, but I think there are some individual moments in the second movie that I enjoy the most, if that makes sense. That makes perfect sense because I do feel like it's it's a a loaded question because I would take bits from the first one and bits from the second and put it into one movie. Like I wish it was just like a 4-hour movie, but you're you're so right. Like I think I love the flow of the first movie a little better mm-hmm. and nothing's ever going to be that Lucy Liu, like, you know, the 88, whatever they're called, um, you know, just all of that. But 
I don't know. The emotional journey in the second one really kind of packs a punch too. That it's it's a different it's apples and oranges in in a way. Yeah, totally. They're they're you know uh, they're they're similar and and different in enough ways where it's like I I think I agree. I think they should, it should all be just one one big movie. Um, and then yeah, I don't have to pick. It, that's right. It kind of reminds me of like season one and two of Pen Fifteen. It's like. Are you in the mood to laugh or do you want to feel some things? Right. Like, um, not that we're laughing at Kill Bill Volume 1, but like, are you in the mood for some action or are you in the mood for some action plus like some some really great acting and some emotion and all that other stuff? Yeah. Yeah, I would say like Kill Bill Volume 1 feels like a good movie to watch like a bunch of people if you're just going to like have a good time watching a movie. I think that Volume yeah. 2, it wouldn't, people would get bored. People would start to check out because there are what would feel like lulls that would mean nothing. If you're kind of in a, like watching movie with a bunch of friends mood, you know? Yeah. No more than like two or three people for kill bill volume two. Yes, Or watch it by yourself. I think it's just one of those movies where it's just like, let's finish this out. Just you and Uma together. Yeah. Just you and me, bitch. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, she really, I, I'm just so, wowed by her i'm just so impressed i know that you know there is obviously the distinct possibility that you know uh autuma is you know novumavar is not over yet <laughs> but i yes. just as a as an accomplishment i think of beatrix the way i think of like sigourney weaver as ripley you know like, yeah. these, like incredible characters like i think Beatrix deserves to be up there with Sarah Connor, with Ripley. I think that she's just, you know, she's one of the greats. Absolutely. I'm so glad we have this, you know, just me seeing it again for the second time and you for the like the first that it's in our arsenal now, too. There's a lot of really good stuff to reference. And it's such a beautiful movie. Movies. Yeah. And oh, the feet, the feet. Mm. <laughs> Mm, my toes oh my goodness uh, you know who's in the mood for hot dogs because we've got some little smokies just sticking <laughs> out some cocktail weenies some little cocktail yeah. weenies mm. uh, mm -hmm. mm. Hmm. well on that disgusting note we are alas poor york being played out at last yeah finally uh well where can folks find more of you they can find me on my other podcast, The Good Vanilla, which is a Barefoot Contessa podcast, or you can follow me on Instagram at Nick Kachanov. How about you? Well, you can find me on my other podcast, All Right Mary, where we are, uh, we, we just put out one more creepy movie. We just put out The Good Son, uh, but Ooh. we've also started our coverage of Dragula Season 5, which is a lot of fun. And nice. you can find me on Instagram at Drucker underscore. And, of course, you can get more of both of us on Instagram in a best-supporting capacity at BSA Pod, Or you can send us an email at thebsapod at gmail.com. And use the fine edge of that Hattori Hanzo sword to keep those peepers peeled. Because Ooh. just around the corner is the best sporting after show. And we have not done one in a couple weeks. So we've got a lot to catch up on. I know that much. And yeah. uh, I think that you should join us. It's going to be a fun one. 
And you should know that we do an after show. We usually do one every single week. This month was just, or last month, was just a little bit different. So if you want a whole additional episode every week where we catch up on the things that we've been watching and doing and eating and so much more, and you want early access to episodes just like this, and you only want to spend five more dollars a month than you already do, which is like nothing. It's girl math. It's free. Uh, go to <laughs> patreon.com slash Pod. Ugh, what a great ad. I'm signing up. Yeah, I just did. I just I just signed up for a year, so um, I think you might owe me some money. Anyway, so uh, all that being said, I think it is time for you and I to get into two pre-owned lease Toyota Tercels named Ruth and Cheryl and get the hell out of Stepford. Sounds good. I'm ready. Well, vroom, vroom. And vroom, vroom. that, as they say, is that. Is that.